Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my next live training this Friday, July 17th at noon Eastern. It's called Five Keys for Improved Productivity. So if you're interested in improving your productivity, you can click the link in the show notes to register, or you can go to my website and click the banner at mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. On the show today, John Sheridan, he's the author of the book, The Perfect Business, Master the Nine Systems to Get Control, Work Less, and Double Your Profit. Tons of information that you can use today. So let's get right to the interview with John Sheridan. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. It's great to be with you today. All the way from New Jersey. How's the weather up in New Jersey today? It's a typical summer July, you know, hot, humid, and uh, but not, not as tough as Houston, I understand. Yes. Uh, I went running this morning, and it was heat index was 85 degrees at 6 a.m., so it's going to be a scorcher here. Uh, apparently, there's this dome over the entire United States that's over, I don't know, one of the Midwest states, and the whole country is going to be hot for like the next 10 days. Now, we're used to it here in Houston, but those people up in St. Louis and Chicago, they're not used to this hot weather, and they're going to be sweating a lot. <laughs> That's right. So I, I'm really excited to have you on the show because we're going to be talking about systems and, you know, we're going through this global zombie apocalypse pandemic right now. And a lot of people are working from home and we need to talk about systems. But before we do that, why don't you take about 20 or 30 seconds or so and tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So, um, and thanks for having me on the show. I, what I do is I work with business owners who are struggling to transform their business from uh, flying by the seat of the pants into a, uh, something that's a lot more valuable. In other words, a, a systemized business that they can count on. And I came to this kind of by accident. I, I have a history as an, as an operator uh, way back when. And um, I, uh, at, at about 15 years ago, I was shopping around for a business to purchase for myself and uh, everyone started asking me for advice when I was looking at their businesses to buy. And I, I just uh, started doing more and more of that. And here it is 15 years later. And, you know, that's actually what led me to write the book was this idea of uh, everyone said you should write a book. So I decided to put it all down on paper and use the things that I learned to share with other people. That's, that's how I come to you today. Why do you think that people fly by the seat of the pants when they run a business, whether it's a solo entrepreneurship like I am, or even small businesses, even medium-sized businesses, why do you think people are not doing systems? Is it because they don't know or are they afraid of letting go? What's the cause of that? Well, I think there's a few things. I think one, it works for them, at least early on, to to really work hard. And, uh, you know, we're taught from a very young age that if you just work really, really hard, success follows. And when you're first starting out, that works great. <clears throat> you have to be excellent at selling and you have to hustle and you have to do a lot of different things really well and really fast just to survive. And, you know, so you get really good at that kind of stuff. You get really good at, for example, you know, looking at how much money you've got and figuring out which bills to pay because payroll's coming up next week. Or you get really, really good at, at solving uh, fires, you know, put, putting out fires because there, there's a crisis every second to manage, right? You get really good at that. And, and, you know, so you actually 
get into sort of this this belief a and b it's sort of a comfort zone for people right once you get really good at these things and you start to think you're mastering it and you do um you know that becomes the way that becomes the 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 habit that you've built for yourself and your business challenge is that as the business grows it gets more complex it starts to move faster there's more personalities involved when you start bringing people into the picture and those old habits, those old beliefs don't work anymore. Different skills and habits are required. So you have to do two things, really. You have to adapt, of course. You have to let go of some of those ideas of, of hustle. And, you know, it's still important, but you can't focus on just counting money all day long. You have to start to be planful. You have to start to teach others you start to have to be able to predict what's going to happen in the future. So there's some stability and build systems. So they start doing the work for you. So you have to learn new things and let go of some old things. And of course, this is all rooted in our beliefs and our habits. And sometimes those are tough to change. I can share a personal example is I've been doing this podcast for over three years now. And I always do the interview with the guests. Then I do the intro and the outro, and then I would do all the post-processing stuff. And I had a guest on my show not too long ago. I think it was Daniel Ramsey. He he owns a virtual assistant company. And he says, you got to let some of that stuff go because you mentioned let it go. And I have a wife who's furloughed because of COVID. And I'm like, you know, she would never want to do a podcast or speak or training, but she loves doing all that geeky behind behind the scenes stuff. And so... I said, well, would you like to do all the post-processing stuff? And she says, yeah, I'd love to do that. My issue was because I had no systems, I, I had it in my brain. I had, right. I had to sit down there, okay, how do I train here? And so one day I actually wrote down all the steps. It was like 56 or 70 steps, something like that. Oh, my goodness. I, I do this all the time after every episode. And as I'm training her, she goes, well, what about this? I'm like, oh, I didn't write that down because I didn't have it written down ahead of time. So what she's going to do is because eventually the business is going to expand. We're going to have team members. She's going through and she's actually taking my very poorly designed template and she's going to start filling the holes. So if we get someone else we hire as a team member down the road, they can she can say, here, this is how we do this, which is exactly what you're talking about. And, and I have to congratulate you on doing that. That's a perfect example of how you're creating value for your business, right? It might not have been the most fun or comfortable thing for you to do, but think about the value you've created now. You have something that is, that, that, that is key to operating what you do every day that used to be in your head. Now it's on paper. Now it's teachable. Now it's improvable. Right. And, you know, one day when your wife gets promoted, I hope, and (laughs) hires someone else to do her job, then there's your training document. And, you know, out of that comes how you measure success out of that, how, you know, comes how you can improve it, et cetera. So that's that's a that's a great example of what uh, I do day in, day out. What are some of the mistakes that people make? Let's say they're listening to our conversation and like, okay, yeah. I have no systems at all. Everything's in my head. Uh, I need to have systems. What are the mistakes? Before we give them the solutions, what are some mistakes that people make when they say, I'm going to go all in on systems? Share share that with us, please. Well, um, I, I think underlying this is, uh, again, it's a belief. The, the idea that, well, if I just sell more, things are going to get better. Mm. All right. And again, this is it. That worked early on. All right. But now... 
uh, selling more is just going to multiply the headaches, multiply the cracks in the foundation that are going to reveal themselves, right? So um, I, I think the big mistake that people make is first thinking, I'm going to get to it someday, right? So procrastinating, avoiding it, because again, this is not the most comfortable thing for the, you know, the high velocity entrepreneur person. It's not in their DNA. It's not their behavioral kind of natural way of doing business, of living their lives, right? Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's difficult to change that mindset and get into a, st a state where you can focus on details. So I would say that, you know, uh, avoiding, avoiding the topic or believing that sales is going to solve it. And then once they, they cross that line and say, yeah, I'm going to do this, uh, often I see someone taking it home for the weekend, making a project out of it, bringing it back to the team saying, okay, guys, it's all done. Here it is. I wrote it all down. Good luck. And, and thinking somehow that this is actually going to work. I mean, it's just, uh, everyone's going to be fired up for maybe five minutes. There's going to be some rock throwers there who say, no way, this is, what would you do all weekend? And, <laughs> and, and, and then it results in disaster. People throw their hands up and it's very discouraging. And it starts to spiral. Um, it's, it's hard to break out of. Mm -hmm. So let's go on the other side. Let's talk about how do you start creating systems the right way? I'm sure you're not going to tell us systemize everything in one fell swoop like you just talked about the weekend example. I'm sure you're going to tell us another way. So what is, a, what is the proper way, in your opinion, to create systems so we can better run our businesses? Well, I, I think the first thing you have to do is prioritize, right? Could, because as you said, this is a long journey, right? And it, but it begins with a single step. You have to choose what's the most important thing to work on first. And, and I, I think of it just in very simple terms. Uh, first, how much pain is this causing? Right? And, and, and both, both internally and externally, pain for the customer, pain for your team. Where, where is the biggest ouch? Okay. And then I would look at what's the greatest impact on the customer, right? So if, if you think of those two things, what's going to have the greatest impact for my customer? For example, uh, if we keep screwing up orders and guys go out to the job without the right parts and pieces, the customer gets aggravated, wants to fire it, well, that's pretty obvious pain and for the, for the team who gets embarrassed and frustrated and you, right, as the owner. But it's also a lot of impact on the customer. Start there and take that apart. And then the second thing I would say is apply a framework. I, for example, that's, how, that's what is the actual genesis of the nine systems is, is that framework to look at all parts of the business. And if you use it as a diagnostic tool, you can usually find where the gaps are. And that gives you a roadmap of, of what to consider at least. So would you recommend if you have a small business or a small leadership team to maybe get away for a couple hours and just brainstorm and say, okay, what are our, our biggest ouches or where, what impacts the customer the most? Would you recommend something like that? Yeah, it rarely happens. But yes, if you can get physically separated, number one, because there's a psychological benefit to doing that. And if you can get people to turn off their cell phones. Right now, I recognize the pain that comes along with that. But when you think about it, is there anything that can't wait at least an hour or two till the break? Okay, <laughs> then we can focus and then we can choose. And it's usually pretty obvious. It's really not hard to find out, you know, okay, guys, what really hurts the most? What, what, what do you hear over and over again? And, and tackle that first. So once After they, 
I don't mean to interject here, but once they figure out, okay, this is our number one thing. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're going to have multiple things on the list. Their number one thing, where do they go from that? Do they then have another breakout session or another brainstorming session, preferably with people who that's going to affect, like maybe the frontline people and say, okay, how do you think we should solve that? Is that the next natural step in your teaching? So um, a big picture first, right? So the overall process is really just four, four start, uh, parts. Uh, one, which I just described priorities, right? So prioritize analyze, optimize, institutionalize. Try to make it easy to remember. So the prioritized part we just described, which is what is biggest pain, biggest impact. That gives you a roadmap to follow. Analyze. Take it apart and figure out what's going on right now. How does it actually happen today? Before you start drafting the ideal way, which is probably different in many ways, figure out how it gets done now. And, and just doing that, okay, some people think of it as opening a can of worms. I view it as finding opportunities. You'd start to uncover more and more things as you turn these rocks over and really ask the tough questions about why, 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 why. So that's the analyze part. And, and so, you know, this, is, this takes place not all in one day. You just break this up. So you get into a rhythm of doing it a couple hours a week. Because I recognize, you know, you can't, you have to build this airplane while it's flying. You cannot stop everything and just say, hey, we're going to fix and systemize everything, you know, over the next week. And, you know, the customers will wait. No, that's not realistic. Uh, But if you can devote a couple hours a week to this and get through that analyze part and then work on optimizing it, what should it really look like? And that's usually best done, you know, so I talked earlier about sort of the top down approach where you take it home for the weekend and, and dump it on people. You know, the opposite of that would be a bottom up. Get the people on the front lines to help, right? And and my view is it's kind of both, right? It, you you need some top down direction, but you need bottom up real life experience to build this out, and that helps build commitment and, frankly, a better solution. Really, that's the optimized part. Now we get it to the point where uh, we've written it down. And it doesn't have to be particularly fancy software that does this. It, it, you know, simpler is better. Write it down. And then the part where most people fall down is what I call institutionalized, which is, oh, we got this great new way of doing things. All right, it's written down. All right, let's go back to work now. And then a couple months later, we have a meeting and say, ah, oh, we made that mistake again. Didn't we fix that a couple months ago? Well, yeah, we did, but we never actually did what we said we were going to do. That's the hard part. And that's, that's about making a commitment to do it and, and, and the commitment to the communication, staying on track, staying on focus, and having the discipline to actually bring the change about. That's a process unto itself, really. I, that make sense? Yes, it does. And I have two stories. Both, they're different companies and did the same thing. They wanted to have a new system put in all right in this case it was an inventory control system they the they being the leaders the c-suite they invented they went and talked to all of the um the vendors nobody on the front lines was invited then they we didn't find out about it until the training we're like uh what's wrong with the system we already have why were why why wasn't our input put in and we were forced to use it and and we were so the learning curve John was crazy. 
It, I mean, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty smart guy. I pick up things pretty quickly. I'm like, I, you know, it, before is one, two, three, four. Now it's A, Q, Z, Y. I don't understand. It was, didn't make any logical sense. And if had they had some people on the front line that said, well, why are we doing it this way? They just shoved it down our throats. And this happened at two different employees, both installing new software. And it was totally top down. The leader said, we like it. I don't know why they, you know, they decide they could make the decision without the frontline workers, but be that as it may, it did. The problem is once they instituted it, in, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Implement, implemented it. Implemented it. it. Yeah. It, it's, we had struggles that it was so bad. They had to have people from the software company on site for a year because there's all yeah. these questions because we didn't have any input. And they were trying to say like this module, well, it does about 20% we do. We're going to, we're going to force it to work the other 80%. I'm like, but it doesn't work. And so we had to do duct tape and bubble gum the whole thing. And it made people frustrated. It lowered morale. Some people left the company because the, the people in the, the leadership who made the decision didn't care what the people were going to use the software wanted or needed. It happens. So, I mean, there are truckloads of cash that have been burned on implementations like that. And many of them are frankly abandoned after a while. Even in large companies, you know, scale this back to small business owner. Um, The easiest thing in the world to do is get on a demo with somebody and think that this new software cloud thing is for $99 a month going to solve all your problems, right? And if that credit card is so easy to whip out and you get it on your system and you think, wow, this is it. And it just sits there for six months. Right. You know, that's, you know, the easiest part is paying for it. And, and, you know, so often I see these things, well, yeah, didn't we have that tool? Well, we never did anything with it. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's uh, another common pitfall I see when it comes down to solving these problems. Yeah, I there's so much software, especially here in July of 2020. I mean, I'm a big fan of automation, but to your point, is it going to solve your problem? Number one, number two, are you going to use it? Because like you say, oh, it's only $99 a month. And you, like you say, you rip up the credit card and you're like, you got real excited about it when the moment of, moment of purchase and maybe the day afterwards, but then real life happened and you have to serve your customers, serve your clients, whatever the case may be. And it becomes three days, it becomes a week, it becomes a month and no one uses it and you're, and you're still getting charged for it. And I don't, I think people think that there's a magic bullet. If I buy this software, all my problems are solved. No, it's just a tool. It's like a hammer. If you need to, for example, you need to uh, screw in a uh, screw in a screw for you're fixing something around your house. Well, you can buy the best hammer in the world. That's not the tool you need. You need a screwdriver. You should have bought a screwdriver, bought a hammer instead. And I think the analogy works because people are thinking that ju- this piece of software is going to solve all my problems. And the answer is no, it's not. Yeah, and and um, you know I, I have clients who have fabulous success with what I call analog systems, pencil and paper, right? Software or not, you have to go through the same process. You have to identify what the steps are. You got to decide who's in charge of it. What's the measure of success? Why are we doing this? What comes next? What are the inputs? You know, who are the customers? These fundamental questions still have to get answered. You still have to document it all. You still have to optimize. You still have to institutionalize. You got to roll this thing out. A prime example I have is I'm a big fan of HubSpot CRM, and they have a mm-hmm. gorgeous free CRM. And I've been talking to my wife. I said, is it worth us going to $50 a month? And 
their their free version is so robust. The only thing I can't get rid of is the HubSpot branding, but I really don't care about that. It, it's really robust. I'm like, is it really worth going? To, it starts out at fifty dollars, and it goes to four hundred dollars a month, then it goes to twelve hundred dollars a month, and it's like. Can I really justify it? I mean, because right now, if I don't use it, I'm not spending any money. But if you pay fifty dollars right. a month or four hundred dollars a month and you're not using it, that's money going out out your door. And and so, you know, even though it's only fifty dollars a month, I'm like, okay, am I going to use this? Oh, another example is Calendly. I pay one hundred forty four dollars a year for Calendly Pro. Now I use it for my podcast interviews, my my uh, my coaching clients, my meeting planners. That works for me. But before I spend a dime, I'm like, is this really going to be worth it? And I think to your point, these price points are so low. People go, I'll just get it. it's going to solve everything, and it's really not because they're not thinking with their head. They're thinking with their heart. Like, wow, this is. I'm sure the salesman is not going to mislead me. It's going to be the the be and end all. And it, chances are, there's a learning curve. People forget when you get any new software. There's a learning curve because you've never used the software before. So now you spent your $99 a month. Okay, crud. How do I'm going to use this now? Now you have to take mm-hmm. time out of your day and you have to learn it or train your staff. And that's time lost for doing things like serving your customer. Yeah. And I actually, uh, I have a client who just went on to HubSpot. Great tool. Uh, but here's the interesting thing about it. We started talking about it probably two and a half years ago. And we periodically would examine it and it's a great tool but we also concluded when we thought through the effort to make it work right it wasn't so much the monthly charge it was okay who's going to be in charge who's going to design we can't do marketing without strategy oh well we need strategy Um, and we need content we need some assets to get built first and uh, it was simply a question of resource allocation we had other problems to solve first Uh, that was the prioritized part that we went to now they're at a point where, yeah, we can pour more new leads onto our system and grow this thing now because we got the operational part just really, really buttoned up. So now they've got the opportunity to really make use of that tool and put all the time in necessary to make it sing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the thing can do. Yeah, it is powerful. And I would tell anybody when you get the software, make sure it does most of what you want it to do right out of the box. So I think I've customized one thing inside HubSpot. If you start doing overly custom, over customization, the problem is now you know it. Now you have to document to everyone else. Oh, we don't do it the way they say ABC. We do F, you know, FQZ and like, well, that's not the way the system's set up. So I am, I'm a big fan. Ever, what do you get an app on your phone or you get it for your company? Use it, try to use it as best you can right out of the box. Because number one, if you need support, they're going to assume you're using it the way it is out of the box. If you go, oh, no, I don't do it that way. I kind of like do a half this way and half that way. Then they have to waste their time going, okay, um, how would I solve this problem? And so that's the mistake the last company I worked for did. They took this thing and they customized it 80% or 70%, some crazy number like that. And and so when we had to get support, that's why we had to have the on-site staff because we had customized it so much, you couldn't call in the regular number because they had no idea what we did. And so I'm a big fan of using it the way it was designed because you'll get the most bang for your buck, in my opinion. I agree. And I think the same principle, Mark, applies to anything you're attempting to systemize. There's no need to overcomplicate stuff. Simpler always works better. And, and, I, and I go back to the 80-20 principle. If, if you just identify the 20% of the activities that you do that produce 80% of the results and get those right, you are already miles ahead of where you were before. 
right? That's all you really need to do and just keep doing that over and over again. That's a very important message for everyone to hear because for the longest time, I mean, I love Gary Vaynerchuk, except for his potty mouth. I love his, you know, his entrepreneur spirit. And he says, be everywhere, TikTok and Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, LinkedIn, everywhere. But, you know, I found out that I wasn't getting any engagement anywhere except for LinkedIn. And I'm like, so mm-hmm. why am I wasting my time on platforms that no one gives me an engagement? I get no clients from anybody but LinkedIn. And I'm like, that's crazy. So it took me a couple of years to realize that the answer sometimes is not being everywhere. It's being where your tribe is. My tribe is on LinkedIn. But if you are going to say, I'm going to be everywhere, well, you don't understand. You have to create content for every network. You have to spend time on every network. Even if you outsource it, you still have to create it. And and you need to, like, to your point, which you've made several times, what's working and what's not? What is going to give you the most boost, the most bang for your buck? And a lot of people think, I've got to be on a blog, a podcast, obvious social media site, and I got to do this, that, and the other thing. Do you really? And I like how you say, you know, prioritize you know, your roadmap. What, what's your goal? What do you want to do? You, you know, where do you want to go this year and in 2021 and 2022? Where do you want to go? Most people in my opinion, don't sit down and think about the vision for their business or your, their brand. They just go, well, be nice if I made this amount of money this year or be nice if I did this this year. Well, they have nothing concrete and because they have nothing concrete, no vision, no goals, they're in the same place next year. It's just another day and another year in the calendar. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's surprising how often I see this, even in businesses that have been around for a while, for many, many years. Uh, sometimes it's a second generation owner who gets in that situation where they can't see the forest through the trees. And I, I asked them, you know, what are you trying to do here? Uh, and, you know, one brother says, well, I want to retire next year. The other brother says, hey, we're just getting started. And what? what? Well, you know, we never <laughs> talked about this before. And the same thing happens with the, you know, the business owner. Interesting. So as we come to the end of our time today, what is other than what you've already given us, what is couple pieces of wisdom that you want to make sure people don't miss. You could repeat something you already said in the show or something that's come to your heart right now, something that you don't want them to miss in terms of as they build their business, as they get ready to make a decision to buy a new software or whatever the case may be, what are some pieces of wisdom you'd like to make sure that they leave with? Um, well, I think to, to build on what we were talking about earlier, don't underestimate the challenge associated with the change you're going to make when you start to implement systems, all right, it, you have to make the commitment to do it, right? That, that's number one. Um, and you do need the tools, but you also need to set the context right. You, you need to create an environment that's actually going to follow the through on the institutionalized part of the four-part process. And to do that, you really got to think about culture a little bit and what your, what you, what your goals are for the, for the behaviors that you want to see and understand that those behaviors result from habits that result from the way people think and all that comes back to the norms, right? In any community, any organization is a, is a culture and that's composed of norms, norms, expectations about behavior. Some of them are explicit. There's a a rule book. There's a poster on the wall. A lot of them are unspoken. Mm. And once these things become ingrained to change those habits takes effort. So we're going to implement the new CRM. We're going to put, Put HubSpot, let HubSpot run our marketing from, from now on. We're going to really finally fix our sales order process. So we get good quality orders out of the sales team. So estimating those what to do. So production can actually build what we said we were going to sell. All those things are, are going to be new habits that need to be put into place and then reinforced. Right. You have to stay focused with it. 
And, you know, these habits are going to take 30, 60, 90 days, depending on how deeply entrenched the old ones were, to, to make them the new habits that are automatic and that are going to take you to the next level in terms of getting the benefits from the systems. So I guess that's a long answer to a short question, but it, it really comes down to get the commitment right, understand what you're getting into, follow through with the commitment part, follow through with the creating the environment for change that's going to work. I love it. Your book is called The Perfect Business. Master the nine systems to get control, work less, and double your profit. I mean, that that's a powerful title of the book. So you shared with us what brought you to the book. Uh, how much of a challenge was it? Was it easy writing the book or did it naturally just flow when you were sitting down writing it because of all the feedback you've gotten to write before you wrote the book? Well, you know, I kind of took a little dose of my own medicine. We were talking earlier about committing a certain amount of time every week, you know, and that's what I did, you know, and it, it actually, I, I found it to be two, two things popped out. One, if you, if you put the effort in on a consistent basis, wow, you get the result. Uh, the second thing I learned was um, I thought I was a great writer, but what I really am is a good reader. I, I, I know what good writing looks like, but to, to make it compelling, uh, it, it was was a challenge. And the way I resolved that was to say, look, I, I'm going to write this like I'm talking to you, Mark, like you're you're the guy who I need to help. And uh, to, to because I understand that the business owner, a lot of them don't like to read long books. They, they want to get right to the answer. And so, and that's what I'm all about. So that's the way I wrote it. Excellent. And final question for you, sir. Where can we find you online? Oh, uh, you can uh, just check me out on johnsheridan.com. Simple. And we can find your book there. I'm sure your book is on Amazon yeah. and Barnes. Yeah, you can get the book on Amazon, and, you know, on Kindle or the paper copy or whatever you like. So. Okay. Easy to find. Well, I want to thank you for your time, for being on the show today. I really appreciate it talking about systems with you. Uh, I, I just hope that people just take some time to stop and go, okay, what's the, before you do anything, you know, what I got out of our conversation today, John, is don't just make a decision, step back and say, okay, the number one thing you talked about is prioritize. What, what needs to be done? Before you do anything, what needs to be done? I think a lot of people put the cart before the horse and they're ready to go buy that software, but no, find out what your needs are. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Great. It's been fabulous being with you, Mark. I'm a big fan of your stuff and uh, best of luck to you. And just before we go, don't forget to register for my next live training happening this Friday, July 17th at noon Eastern, five keys for improved productivity. You can register by clicking the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.